Father, we come before you humbly that there is nothing, even as Paul said, nothing that we would not gladly give up to know you more. And Father, just share in the fellowship of your sufferings that we may become like you in your death to attain the resurrection. Lord, that is the message and the hope of what we preach and what we celebrate later through the Lord's Supper. Would Christ be glorified and lifted high in our hearts this morning? We praise him in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 What a wonderful, exhausting week it has been <laughs> for uh, all, a lot of us. Uh, I, I want to say something, but uh, before I say something, I want to say what Zora said is really important for all of us to hear this morning. What she said was, I was just excited for young people to come together to worship the Lord. Amen? And we are excited to come together as the body of Christ to worship our God. And you know what? When, when we have healthy church members, we have a healthy church. And when we have a healthy church, we reach people. And when we reach people, they see this great God and they want to worship this great God. And we got to see some of that happen this week and and some of the families are even here today, as, as we get to see God working through his church. And so what ends up happening is, is that all of us are a part of the kingdom of God in seeing his name go to the ends of the earth. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Isn't that a wonderful thing to be a part of? I praise the Lord I'm a part of this church. So many wonderful people here in this body. Yeah, give it up. We have, we have so many new people in this church. And a lot of them are learning what it looks like to be a part of a church. What it looks like to grow in their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. What it looks like to study God's word. What it looks like to serve. What it looks like to give. What it looks like. All of these things. And they get to see that from you, the people of God, as the body of Christ. And they get to see and taste a little bit about uh, of what Jesus looks like. His hands and his feet as the people of God gather together for worship. Now, one thing I want to tell you about uh, kids camp, it was hot. It was hot. But your kids, as, as Valerie said, you should be very proud of them. They're fantastic kids raised by fantastic parents and so blessed and to see what the Lord does in their lives as he continues to work in and through them. One story I'd like to tell you about how hot it was is we were done. We So outdoor tabernacle at Cross Timbers at U, Falls Creek, it's indoors, outdoors in, in this one. So you're outdoors almost the whole day at night. You're trying to listen to the speaker and it's going, whoa, this is hot. It's hot in here. And all of a sudden... Um, we're, we're done, right? After lunch, after we've been in the heat, we're, we're going home. And so we get into the bus, uh, the big van, 
uh, the big Northwest van, and I this time get to be with all the boys in the big van, right? And I'm the sponsor, uh, Steve's driving the, the big van, and it's about 125 degrees in there when we walk in there, you know, it's hot. It's been a sitting out in the sun and we get in there and I tell the kid, hey, it's going to cool down, guys. It's going to cool down. And all of a sudden, we get going on the road. It's not cooling down. And uh, unfortunately, the air was broken on our way back home. And uh, one of the kids said, uh, Pastor Rob, can I take my shirt off? And I said, yes, sir, let's all do it. And so we all rode back with no shirts on. On our way back from camp, and uh, that was the experience that I will remember uh, from kids' camp as, um, uh, as somebody said, let's drive by the girls. I said, that's not a good idea. We might get in trouble for that. So if you, uh, if you understand uh, what, it, what it takes to raise a child in the Lord, then you'll understand um, the amount and the depth that we will go as a church to raise children up in the Lord. Um, boy, we will go to great depths, and a lot of our people did this week, so we're thankful for that. But <clears throat> we're in our series, Christ in All of Scripture, and we've been working through these minor prophets, and if you read through the minor prophets, you may be thinking to yourself, man, these are, these are difficult to read, it's really hard to understand, and, and one of the reasons why we're doing this series in the Old Testament is that as you read your Bible, you have some understanding of what you're reading and how it points us to Christ and the central themes of these prophets and what they're talking about. So that when you read your Bible, it applies directly into your life and you read it and go, man, that fits our culture, our time, and where we are today. And if we, if, if you've been with us, we've been looking at all these prophets in Hosea, we saw the steadfast love of God. In Joel, we saw the God who restores that which has been decimated. Amos, we saw the God who is just. Obadiah, we saw the God who will make all things right in the end. Jonah, we saw the God who pursues even when we are disobeying and going away from the Lord, the great God of heaven who loves us, pursues us even in our rebellion. And this week, we see from the prophet Micah that God has a plan. God in his infinite sovereignty in his infinite wisdom, had a plan from the beginning. And the plan was Jesus. Amen? And the prophet Micah tells us, I got a plan, and his name is Jesus. And we're going to see that today. But the other night I was cooking, I think it was actually last night, I was cooking, uh, I was tired, but I was cooking, and I had a plan, Right? And the plan was to cook some chicken for my daughter. The spaghetti was hot. The green beans were lightly salted. Okay, heavily salted, but in good shape. The meatballs were perfectly cooked. I, I just had to cook these two little chicken strips for my daughter so she could have chicken Alfredo. 
The problem was the chickens came out of the freezer, meaning they were frozen solid. So just knowing how to make things right in a pinch, I threw the chickens into the pan, frozen. And I thought it might be a good idea to add some olive oil. And if you're cooking, this is not the best idea to have water that is defrosting from frozen chicken and mixing it with oil. You get some type of science experiment. (laughs) And so I read about it. Heating a mixture of oil and water is dangerous. Is this what it says? It's dangerous because the water boils and thus throws oil into the air where it may easily catch fire if it falls into a flame or heating element. And that's exactly what happened. There was a few flames that night as the water and the oil were jumping out of the pan and into the flames. This was me trying to have a plan, right? My plans don't work out the way that I think that they do often. But praise God, his plans do. His plans succeed. His ways are not my ways. His plans are not my plans. Praise the Lord God Almighty. He, from the very moment of creation, had a plan. And his plan was to save his creation, to redeem his creation, and then to restore back his creation to their intended state. And our God has calculated every step to make sure that his character and his nature is completely revealed to us, his creation. He has shown himself to be the God who is filled with grace and love, who acts justly, but brings his creation back to himself. And in the book of Micah, we find ourselves seeing God's chosen people who have turned to idolatry. They have justified their sin. Their leaders saying, it's no big deal that you're living in sin. You're God's people. He won't destroy you. And now God's name is being profaned among the nations. The very opposite in which why God created in the first place. And now judgment is coming upon both Jerusalem and Samaria, the northern part, Israel, and the southern part, Judah. And they're going to be conquered by the Assyrians and Babylonians. Micah, he prophesies this prophecy during the time of Isaiah, during the time of Hosea, during the time of Amos. And Micah says, judgment is coming upon you, Israel, and you, Judah. Micah says in chapter 1, verse 2, Hear you peoples, all of you, pay attention, O earth, and all that is in it, and let the Lord God be a witness against you, the Lord from his holy temple. For behold, the Lord is coming out of his place, and will come down and tread upon the high places of the earth. And the mountains will melt under him, and the valleys will split open like wax before the fire. Like waters poured down a steep place, all this is for the transgression of Jacob and for the sins 
of the house of Israel. What is the transgression of Jacob? Is it not Samaria? Is it not the city of Samaria? And what is the high place of Judah? Is it not Jerusalem? What is the wicked people? Is it not the city? Therefore I will make Samaria a heap in the open country, a place for planting vineyards. I will pour down her stones into the valley and uncover her foundations. And then in verse 9 he goes on to say, For her wound is incurable and it has come to Judah. It has reached to the gate of my people to Jerusalem. Now, that's not a very great opening statement, is it? God's going to come down and he's going to bring destruction upon his own people. But God has a plan, does he not? God is going to take beauty from ashes. From his judgment will come the hope of salvation You see the gospel on display in these minor prophets. Man's sin has led him to judgment. He is deserving of the wrath of God. And God is coming for the sinner, the idolater. But in his judgment, he has given a way of escape. And the way of escape that the prophet Micah talks about is through the shepherd king who is coming God's plan from the beginning of time, the shepherd king who will come and shepherd his people in the way of the Lord. You see, the king is coming and Micah tells us the exact place that he will come. If you'll stand with me in the reading of God's word, we're going to read from Micah chapter 5 verse 1 this morning. Now muster... I'm sorry, I I jumped the gun there. Micah chapter 5, verse 1. Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrata, who are you who are too little to be among the clans of Judah? From, From you shall come forth for me. One who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of the brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great To the ends of the earth. And he shall be their peace. The word of the Lord. You can be seated. Father we thank you for this morning. We thank you. That you knew from the beginning of time. 700 years before Jesus would come. That you would prophesy through Micah. The prophet that you were coming. That you were coming to be king that you were coming to shepherd, that you were coming to bring peace, that you were coming and that you would be God. And Father, in the midst of all the chaos that surrounds us in our world today, we are are truly grateful and thankful 
that we can trust in a God who has a plan from the beginning of time till the end of time. And Father, help us to trust in your plans and in your ways, for you are good. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In 2012, we had the privilege of having our firstborn child. She was born while we were in seminary in Fort Worth. We were eight minutes from the hospital. That's not very much time. And I can remember my wife that day saying, the baby is coming. And having my go bag already ready, I grabbed a go bag And I'm like, let's go, it's time. And she said, well, I've got to do a few things. I've got to put my makeup on. So as she's putting her makeup on, I'm trying to scramble around the house, running around frantically going, what what happens if she has the baby? And uh, she was like very calm and cool and together. And when we got there, they, they didn't take us back to immediately to the room. They had us sit in a, in a waiting room and, and later and, and time passed and five to six hours later, we finally had the baby. And then two years later in 2014, our son Trip was born. And as, as the time had come, I thought to myself, I know the drill. I've got this. This time, though, we lived in Holdenville, Oklahoma, which was 45 minutes to the hospital. And I can remember her saying, it's time to have the baby. And I thought to myself, well, now it's time for me to pack my bag. (laughs) And so I kind of dawdled around (laughs) Packing my bag, getting my things together. And when we got into the car, she said, we may need to hurry a little bit more. (laughs) And about halfway, I'm going 75 down the highway that is probably a 55 mile an hour highway in the back roads of Oklahoma, Southeast Oklahoma. And she goes, you need to go faster. (laughs) And we got there and I'm putting the pedal to the metal and she's like, get me in a wheelchair now. And so I grabbed the wheelchair And all of a sudden my wallet falls out and all the cards are spread all the way on the thing. She goes, we got to go. And I run her right into the doors. It was, it was a lot. And then, and then we get in there and the first person who checks on us says, um, She says, I'm about to have this baby. And she says, oh, sweetheart, you've got a few more hours. Let me give you something to sign here. What's your date of birth? How how did, can I have your driver's license? And she goes, no, I'm about to have this baby. And the lady was like, oh, I'm sure that you'll be fine. Let me, let me get you to a waiting room. And, and they didn't realize she was about to have 
the baby. And sure enough, they weren't ready for her. And she had the baby. They had to rush her into an extra room. They didn't even have a room ready for her. And she had the baby. And she has our son. Ready or not, our son came. And Micah declares, ready or not, the, the, the Messiah is coming to you. Galatians 4, 4 through 5 says this. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. God's plan of redemption, his plan of adoption of his people was through Christ. The plan of God to come down from heaven to be born in a little town of Bethlehem and to live a perfect life so that he could take our place on the cross to be raised from the dead so that we could have new life. And God predicted this through the prophet Micah in the exact town that he would be born some 700 years before he was born. You think God had a plan? God had a plan. Verse 1, it begins with an interesting idea of this judge of Israel being struck. Look at it. Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod, they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. The word for judge here in the Hebrew can also mean the, the ter- term ruler or king. It, it probably has reference to the last king of Judah, Zedekiah. We remember in our study that God had made a promise to King David that his kingdom and his house would be forever. But when Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon comes and lays siege to the city of Jerusalem, he takes King Zedekiah, he takes out all of his offspring so he will not have any line of the king and he gouges his eyes out and puts him in chains and takes him to Babylon. This is the idea that the world has come against God's people. Babylon has come against God's people and God has allowed it. How is this God's plan? How is this God's plan that they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek? Well, this reminds me of another plan, of another ruler, another king who was struck on the cheek yet this time it was the very son of God the promised Messiah the one in the line of David who is stands falsely accused in the court of the high priest let me read it for you in Matthew twenty six sixty three. but Jesus remained silent and the high priest said to him I adjure you by the living God tell us if you are the Christ 
another word for the Messiah, the Son of God. And Jesus said to him, you have said so, but I tell you from now on you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, he has uttered blasphemy. What further witness do we need? You have now heard this blasphemy. What is your judgment? They answered, he deserves death. Then they spit in his face and struck him and slapped him saying, prophesy to us, you Christ, who is it that struck you? So we have this ruler who is being struck. Either way, if it's Zedekiah or it is Jesus Christ, the same question is asked, what is God's plan? If it's Zedekiah, his people are now destroyed. The line is now broken. If it's Jesus, he's the very son of God. How could this be that the world would come against him, that would strike him, that would strike him down? And yet God had a plan in both instances for his glory, for the redemption of his people. Look at, look at what it says in verse 2. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrata, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. God pronounces his plan here. God's plan was to bring about the king he had promised. That's point number one this morning. God's plan was to bring about the king he had promised. God predicted the very town Jesus was to be born in. He was to be born in in a humble beginnings, a place too little to be among the clans of Judah. You may not know this, but I lived in a small town in Oklahoma. Some of you know where it is. Some of you don't. I began my pastorate in a place called Holdenville. Holdenville is known for two things, pigs and prison. They have a large prison there and they have a Tyson pig farm there. So there's no stoplights in Holdenville. When we moved there, I think they put one in just so they could say they have one now. But it's a small town. And yet they have a celebrity who was born in Holdenville. You may know his name. His name is T. Boone Pickens. There you go. It's estimated he had $500 million when he died. He gave $652 million to Oklahoma State University. And yet he was born in Holdenville, Oklahoma. They actually removed his house in Holdenville, picked it up by a crane and moved it to his ranch in Texas. So you can go see his house that he was born in in Holdenville in his, his ranch in Texas. Yet from humble beginnings. In a stable. Born in a manger. In Bethlehem. A place too little. To really be of. Any noteworthy existence. The ruler. Is going to be born. And this king. He is going to be from of old, from ancient days. The wording is describing God. 
In, in Daniel chapter 7, the terminology for God is used as ancient of days. The God who has no beginning and no end. The ruler coming forth was from old. He was promised to Adam and Eve from the very beginning as the one who would come from the woman who would crush the head of the serpent. It was through him that all the nations of the earth would be blessed as was promised to Abraham. He would establish his kingdom and his kingdom would have no end as was promised to David. He is the Messiah. The ruler from Bethlehem. So you have this ruler from ancient days coming to Bethlehem. This is what? Good news. Amen? It is good news. Verse 3. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth and the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. Therefore, God is going to give up Israel, his people, until she has given birth. Revelation 12 gives us a vision of a woman in labor, pains, about to give birth. And the idea is Israel is painfully going through the process of bringing forth the Messiah. There's been a lot of heartache, a lot of pain, a lot of judgment, a lot of things happen in Israel's history. They're in birthing pains. They're waiting for the promised one to come. Jesus is coming. And when he comes, he will bring his brothers. I believe this is the nation. The true believers of God, the people of God, the children of Abraham, the children of faith, that will preach. Amen? God has a plan to redeem the nations. It's all over the Bible. And then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. Not just speaking of Israel returning but also the people of God returning to be the people of God, the children of faith, the children of Abraham, the children of the promise. Now verse four, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and the majesty of the name of the Lord his God and they shall dwell secure for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. This is God's plan To bring about a king who will shepherd the flock. This is point number two. God's plan was to bring about a king who will shepherd the flock. You see the shepherd analogy is all over the Old and New Testament. Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. He is considered the chief shepherd in 1 Peter 5. Psalm 23 proclaims the Lord is my shepherd. And the characteristics in Psalm 23 is one of a shepherd who provides, a shepherd who guides, a shepherd who protects, a shepherd who encourages, and a shepherd who blesses his people. These are all displayed in Christ as the good shepherd shepherds his flock, his people. And he does this in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord, his God. The sheep 
shepherd perfectly proclaims the majestic name of the Lord. Why? Because he shows the perfect characteristics of God himself. The whole character and nature of God himself is perfectly displayed in this shepherd. Shepherd. The perfect analogy for Christ and his people, the Messiah. He provided a way for their sins to be forgiven. He guides them out of the pit of destruction, giving them a path for eternal life. He protects them from the consequences of their sin, loving them so much that he would lay down his life for them. And then he encourages to walk the path that he himself has walked and he blesses them and and his presence stays with them with the promise never to leave or forsake them. You see, the king rules and reigns, and yet he's not just a king. He's also the king shepherd. He rules and reigns, and he shepherds or cares for his people. Did you know that God cares about you? I mean, in a world in which people just really just want to talk about themselves, right? I mean, have you talked to people lately? They really just want to talk about themselves, what they did, how they did, what they're doing, how they're feeling, how, how they're doing. God cares about you. God cares what you're feeling, how you're doing, whether your sins have been forgiven. Our God loves you. It's an amazing understanding that he would be called a shepherd and we would be called his sheep. And what is the result of his shepherding, of his people? Well, it tells us here in the second part of this verse, and they, his people, shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth and he shall be their peace. This is our third point this morning. God's plan was for the king to be great to the ends of the earth. He, he, he is great to the ends of the earth. God is not done with Israel. He's not done with you. God's name is going to go forward. His people will have a ruler even though it looks like it's done. There's no line. God will raise up one who will shepherd. And the world will know who this shepherd king is. And God's people, they will rest in security. And they will have peace with God. Oh, the good news message, right? That God will rule and reign, love his people. They will be at peace with their God. He will be great through the ends of the earth. Does that sound familiar to you? Don't miss God's plan this morning. Don't miss it. There were many during the time of Christ and there are many after the time of Christ. There are many who have read this scripture in Micah and have missed Jesus as the shepherd king who is worthy of all worship and praise and honor and glory. 
Micah wrote this 700 years before Jesus came. The, the, the scribes and the Pharisees during Jesus' time read this on a daily basis. They knew that he was coming from Bethlehem. And yet they missed Jesus. I, I want to show you one last thing before we, uh, we partake of the Lord's Supper. In Matthew chapter 2, it says this, the telling of the story of the, the wise men coming to King Herod. And, and Herod heard that this wise men were coming to, to honor and glory this king who was coming. He was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people. These are the people that studied the Bible. The chief priests and scribes. He inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Why? He wanted to kill him. And so they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now I want to show you something here. I'm going to try to do this on the screen. My tech guys have got, got me here. So this is the passage that we have read in Micah. Okay, and this right here is the passage in Matthew. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah. But there's a problem. It's different. These are the chief priests and scribes describing the prophecy from Micah to Herod. But look at the difference, okay? So we have this term, Ephrata. We have too little to be among the clans of Judah. All right? But look at what they say. Oh, Bethlehem in the land of Judah. Okay, there's Judah there, but there's no Ephrata. Are by no means least, by no means least among the rulers of Judah. Look again who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. Now, there's a slight difference here. One is saying that this ruler who is to come is going to come from a humble beginning, a place that's too little to be even considered Judah. How many of you guys have heard of an Ephratite? You haven't? Why? Because it's not, not a big deal. Okay? And then... The rulers and the chief priests are telling Herod, oh yeah, Judah, God's blessed people, Bethlehem. Oh, it's no means the least. You see the difference there? You see, one is trying to say, well, this ruler is going to be great and mighty and powerful. They can't read their Bibles. And Jesus tells us this throughout the book of Matthew. If you read about the chief priests and the scribes, they miss the gospel. They miss it. And look what, what, what they say. From you, by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people. What do they miss? They miss that he's also God. That he's coming forth from old 
that he is the promised and anointed one. You see, they twisted the very words of God to say what they wanted it to say. That's what many people do in our world today. They prominently place Bethlehem in the promised land of Judah instead of saying, no, it's not prominent. They omit that he is God. They omit from the ancient of days. They omit that the nations will be a part of the kingdom. They missed the gospel. And as a result, they, they side themselves with Herod, with the kingdom of darkness. And they miss Jesus. You see, God's plan of redemption is carefully crafted and it's carefully read according to the scriptures. But if you twist it to make it what you want it to say, you can miss Jesus altogether. You can miss the Lord's plan for you, for salvation, for the worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. So church, We are not going to miss it. We are going to tell the coming generation of the glory of God and what he has done through Jesus Christ, our shepherd and king. Let's pray. Our deacons are gonna begin getting ready for the Lord's Supper. Our Father, we thank you for the opportunity to hear your scriptures to be reminded that you have a plan. When the fullness of time came, you brought forth the Messiah, the one born in a humble existence in Bethlehem to be king. And yet, Father God, you had a plan for him to die on the cross for me, for you, And Father, we thank you for that. We thank you that you are a loving God. That you have not forgotten your people in the midst of our idolatry, our sin. You come for us. And you've given us a way of escape. Lord, as we begin to prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper, help us to respond to your word by partaking of the cup and the bread that was shed for us, the body that was broken for us to give us life. Father, give us the strength that we need to endure in in a wicked and evil world which rejects the word of God, rejects the gospel of Christ, rejects Christ as Lord and King. Help us to make Jesus the King of our hearts, of our lives, of our bodies, that we may serve him and love him, walk humbly with our God. Lord, we thank you for the book of Micah that gives us these truths that we can hold on to today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.